routine. I've been to like tournaments in Las Vegas and Oakland, like big tournaments. It's, it's fun. I used to play League of Legends too, but I was never like good enough to compete in League of Legends tournaments. But I used to be ranked uh, like one of the best in San Diego, like top 13 in San Diego for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm still pretty good, but it's been a while since. I mean, you can't compete because LOL pandemic, <laughs> but there's online tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I don't. I don't want to waste this good material. Let me get this set up. I'll this work. is horrible material. It's just me bragging about some <laughs> game that's made for kids <laughs> that a bunch of nerds turned into some competitive thing. Can't brag about yourself. What can you brag about? <laughs> I can brag about being on this podcast with you. Although you oh, we are live on YouTube. I was just about to say we are not live on YouTube, but we are live on YouTube. Live on YouTube, we, live on Twitter. Live on YouTube and Twitter and all of the above. What are you drinking? Uh I am <laughs> I'm drinking a really bad beer. So this is a I don't know if it's gonna focus on the camera. It's a San Miguel. So bad. Oh there we go. Yeah. Sam San Miguel. San Miguel. San Miguel especial. It's especial. Yeah. It's it's just a bad I don't even think it's Spanish. I, well, you know, it's brewed in the UK. It's 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 probably like have you heard of Forex? You know Forex. Uh no, I haven't. Is that a brewery? No, it's it, it's an Australian beer, but it, they don't drink it in Australia, but they pretend it's oh. Australian. <laughs> Fosters well, it's, and you know, it's it's noon here, so I guess that I guess it's beer time. Like would it be okay if I had a I think noon is like a reasonable amount to reasonable time to I have a beer in my fridge. It's a stout. It's a peanut butter milk stout from the San Diego uh, brewery. I, I think it's a good enough time. You've always got something fancy, haven't you? It's yeah. not just a, not you, just a crappy beer like what I've got. You've always got like a chocolate yeah. peanut Drink. stout with I mean, coffee. <laughs> Dude, I love craft beer. I am a big, I love, well, I love weird beverages. I love weird flavors of food. Like, I was at uh, this place called World Market yesterday, and they had an Earl Grey chocolate bar, a chocolate bar that's <laughs> that tastes like tea. I've had beer that tastes like tea. I mean, you're the only one who reads my newsletter, so you've seen you've seen the food that I share on my newsletter. It's like beet chocolate, beet juice flavored chocolate bar. I love it. It's so weird. You gotta love the weird stuff. I I like trying it because it's it's just fun to experiment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But I'm totally down to, I mean, I got the second vaccine, so I'm supposed to be taking it easy, right? So kick back with a beer. I'm down to go like crack open this beer. I'll be right back. Go get if it. you don't mind. Get it. Okay. It depends how how far away oh, is you're leaving the room. Oh dear. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to like Vaughn's or anything. I'm just going down to the kitchen. <laughs> it's, it's already Good. here. Good. I thought I thought he was going to leave me for like two minutes live on Twitter and YouTube. Not that anybody's listening or anything, but it is literally just me because... Paul's just gone to get a beer. Yeah. Paul, I can only fill this for so long. He's, he's, he's really gone. How big is your house, Paul? I'm curious as what that contraption is that he's got on the floor there. Oh, I think it's a, it's a pull-up bar. But it's on the floor rather than attached to the ceiling. I, there's not really much of the commentary I can provide on that room. Oh, there's a cable. A, a weird cable going to the cupboard as well a hat a glass cat and some kind of weird 
post-it notes? Is that post-it notes right next to that um, cupboard or something? Yeah, it's changed camera angles. Usually you can see all his books. His fridge is really far away. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> really far away, I heard that. So this is it. This is the Belching Beaver Peanut Butter Milk Stout. It tastes amazing. It's made here in San Diego. It's, so It's got a cool I label wish, as well. Yeah. That's also what I like about these craft beers is that they always put a lot of work into the, uh, the design of the labels, the artistry behind the marketing. It's just fun to look at. So I wish I could cheers you from across the pond, but cheers. Cheers. <laughs> clink, clink, clink sound <laughs> insert here. So, so I'm surprised you've got the second vaccine because I've not even got my first yet and I'm 33. Yeah, I'm 26. I'm trailing behind. You know, I'm, um, I consider myself very lucky. I've always been healthy. I've never had any serious health concerns or problems with that. I, I keep myself in shape. I eat healthy food and I kind of just got it. Well, primarily because I want to travel, right? Like that's one of the main incentives. But I also just kind of got it just so people wouldn't bother me about it. Like, oh, are you vaccinated? Yeah, I got the sticker and I just, I'm sick of wearing masks too. So hopefully once you've got your second vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. But I, I wasn't really getting it because I was concerned about my health. I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe if I spread it to somebody else, that, that might happen. I don't know. But I wasn't like, oh, I need the vaccine. But I yeah. got it anyways. So is, is that, that is it, yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, the reason I haven't got it is because I'm not, well, I am allowed to get it now, but only mm -hmm. since last week. So they've been going down the age categories in the UK. They've only yeah. just got to 32 and 33 last week. But I guess anybody can get it. Can anybody yeah, get it? I guess here in this, well, we were having that in the States. I'm pretty sure that's, because there was some talk about that a couple months ago about the age brackets, mm. but I just went to the pharmacy's website and just kind of signed up for an appointment and I put in my age and they were, they booked me for both appointments. So it was, it was fine. Oh. Well, yeah. That, that's way easier over here then. Cause we, we started doing really good with the vaccines. We, we, we oh. were, we had some of the highest rates of vaccinated people in the world. Mm -hmm. And now the U S has overtook us by quite a significant portion. And a lot of other people have. So I don't know what's going yeah. on in the UK. It slowed down massively, though. Well, we screwed up uh, when the pandemic started, so at least you got that correct, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> people yeah. getting vaccinated. But at the beginning, we had our heads up our ass for the first, like, four months of the damn pandemic. But here we are, though. We're, I mean, there's, of course, other places in the world that are really hurting right now, like, obviously, India. So we, we can't take these things for granted. Like, we've got it really good here in California. Uh, as far as the vaccinations go. And like, it almost feels as if we're at that new normal stage, like restaurants are allowing us to dine in again. And it's just sort of uncanny to think that, man, there's places out there in the world that are, ugh, it looks so tough. Like India, mm. I think about that a lot. It's just like, hmm, you gotta really appreciate what we have here in the States and you know, UK too, because there's still some places that are really hurting. Well, it's, it, like, oh, it's, uh, it's kind of weird. Up. It's kind of weird right now. You can't assume that somebody is kind of having the same life as you. You know what I mean? You so you, yeah. I, so we're talking here. We're sat in a house. You're sat in your house. I'm sat in mine. 
I could go walk out of the door right now and go to the pub if I wanted to. And all, all these kind of reference points that we normally discuss with somebody, they're usually taken for granted. But all around the world right now, that's not the same level. There isn't the same baseline, is there? I'm thinking of people like uh, people like Reddy. Um, I, yeah. I, be- I believe they're all still locked up in the house. And last time I spoke to him, he was talking about going back into lockdown and, and things were opening back up back in the in- UK. It's really yeah. weird. There's no kind of common points of reference right now. Back into lock. You had ready on your show, I take it? Yeah. Okay. He's going, so, yeah, back into lockdown. Man, that would, if that happened here, the ramifications of that, I think, like, no, obviously that's, like, not fun to deal with, but people would, like, I thought we were, you know, out of that, out of the lockdowns, but going back into them, that would be rough. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Reference points. Like, we can't think that everybody has the same reference points of, of freedom, of just being able to go wherever they want, possibly without a mask at this point, if you've got um, double vaccinations. It's tough. Like, not there's 8 billion people on this planet, and all of them have different frames of reference and experiences and troubles and difficulties. And then the pandemic just adds this other weight to the heaviness of life that just makes it really hard for a lot of people and some people just get lucky like i just consider myself so lucky to not have had any like i i didn't know anybody in my family who got i i had some people in my family my both of my brothers got the got the virus but they were fine but i don't know anybody who died of it i don't know anybody who was like seriously emotionally hurt by somebody who had a family member died of the virus thank god so if anything this vaccination um, this pandemic has taught us like exactly what you just said to consider the frames of reference it's eye-opening and we're sort of like i want to say that we're sort of through with it but like you know you and i are saying not every other place in the world is like that it's like some places are still almost like at the beginning stage of the pandemic still it's tough uh, and I think you've got to remember as well that there's potential that any of us could be back in that situation within a month or two. We we had three lockdowns in the UK, um, and and the India variants over here now, the cases are climbing again a little bit. There's potential that we could find ourselves in the same situation again. And, right. And yeah. the the UK is very much like the US, like this. That I when you said there'd be uproar or words to that effect about another lockdown. That's the same thing that the politicians think in the UK too. Mm. But there, there's been, so so one of the guys that was at the center of government, I don't want to get too heavy into politics because it's boring and it's dull and it's sad, but there's a, there's a guy giving evidence today who was at the center of the coronavirus stuff in the UK for the government called Dominic mm. Cummins. And um, he, he was talking about this and he he said one of the one of the biggest mistakes he thought they'd made was to assume that the British public wouldn't go into another lockdown, to assume mm. to assume that they wouldn't wear masks because I don't know it's just the way that UK people are. The US are exactly the same. In fact, I think the US are worse in certain parts. Probably. We we don't like following those kind of rules like wear a mask even though it, it doesn't really affect oh, yeah. you and right. uh, yeah. stay in yeah. your house even. Yeah. Even it's not the end of the world. We're not going to war or anything. Right. But the government assumed that they won't follow that. So 
when they did put it into place, lo and behold, the majority of people did follow it because they mm. saw that it was for the greater good. It was important. It was being done mm. for the right reasons because they can mm. they can see the data. You know, it's on the news every day. So mm. I wonder about that, whether people would go back into a lockdown again. Yeah. I think yeah. They, they, well, they probably would if it was for the right reasons, but... Phew, what if it was for the right reasons, if some strain, some extra strain went way out of hand, and that is a big mistake, is, is to assume that, okay, it seems like things are going back to normal, therefore we'll never have another lockdown. Like We need to really swallow the pill that we might go back into a lockdown again. Things might turn sour again. Who knows? I mean, it was, the, uh, it, it was that which kind of screwed us over at the beginning of it, it seemed like. Oh well, it's what we don't know. What what like our our expectations for things to just stay good? Like no, we're in the clear. Great, things are gonna back go back to normal. Let's throw away these masks. Like I'm keeping mind just in, just in case in case something happens again. How do you think you did during during the whole? How locked down were you actually in San Diego? Were you right down to the house? Could you not go anywhere? How bad was it? it? It's like when you live in California, places, especially San Diego, when you're locked down in a place like San Diego and you're at least allowed to walk around, mm. you're, you're like locked down in paradise because the weather's so nice. And <laughs> San Diego is just such a nice place. It's a, it's a very, you know, there's great restaurants everywhere and the weather's great. I mean, the weather's a huge thing. It didn't feel as, as bad. Again, it goes back to the luck thing. It's like, I feel so incredibly lucky to just, to just live here during this time. And I have a wall, I have a roof over my head. And yeah, I mean, another point is like, well, how well were you able to spend X amount of months, you know, kind of in lockdown? I was still working at a grocery store, actually, uh, when the pandemic hit. I don't work there anymore. The pandemic, um, it kind of got stir crazy and I just, I left. I quit working there and I'm doing this sort of thing, making the trailers for people is my source, one of my sources of income. So I just, um, I would drive to work every day and on the way to work, I would get this nagging sense to just kind of turn around and not show up and just kind of quit. And eventually I actually did that. No, I mean, not little, like I didn't just not go to work. I, I went to work and talked to manager about, the job that I was in and if there was any hope of me being promoted and, and blah, blah, blah. And I just decided it wasn't for me anymore and I should be doing something else. And so I, I quit. Um, I don't know really how much the coronavirus pandemic played into that decision. Maybe it played a big role in that decision because it's like memento mori. You could die from this thing. Is this really how you want to live your life? That sort of dramatic introspection. But I did. And I don't know if I would have done that if it wasn't for the global pandemic. I have no idea. But it wasn't that bad for me, really. Like, again, I didn't know anybody who got the virus. And I was still able to go outside and, and walk. And Oh, no. Either his internet's gone off or my internet's gone off. <laughs> Paul Wow he's uh he's he's frozen there <laughs> Let me see if we're still live. Oh 
Hello. 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 <laughs> you you froze there for about thirty seconds. What was that? You froze for about thirty seconds. Oh, I'm back. That's oh, okay. No, I was just saying like it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I think you was probably talking to yourself for about 30 or 40 yeah. seconds then, and I was filling in, wondering whether, whether it was my internet or your internet. So, yeah. Anyway, no, that, let, let's stop talking about coronavirus because it's miserable. I know, it's making me sad. <laughs> Seriously. I've, uh, I've got an interesting question, and I think I'm going to start asking this to every single guest that I get on the podcast. I heard it on Danny Miranda's podcast the other day when he was talking to Justin Michael A., and he asked him one question. How's your rhythm? Whoa. That's a that's a nice question. How's your rhythm? <laughs> how's how's my rhythm? Um so open ended, you can answer it uh, in whatever way you want. Uh, seven, eight time signature. <laughs> it's played with uh Steel drums, my rhythm. Well, I saw your tweet earlier about how you wake up late. You don't wake up at four in the morning and take showers, cold showers, <laughs> freezing cold showers, and you don't do hustle culture thing. I was trying, I was kind of on that game for a while. I thought all of that was necessary. And maybe it is for some people, but my rhythm is like, I get obsessed with an idea and I have to make it a reality, whether that's a podcast or a video, a trailer. It's just got to exist, and I get obsessed with it. It's kind I'll, of unhealthy. I'll I'll give you some context to the question. So, sure. Danny asked the question to Justin, and this was a question that Justin's old running coach used to ask him pretty much every time he saw him. How's your rhythm? He used to mm -hmm. ask it to him every morning. How's your rhythm? Uh, wow. You kind of imagine him asking it in quite a aggressive, in your face kind of way, mm -hmm. and. They spoke about the question, and I think it's great for podcasting because the answer is so wide open. You can say it whatever way you want. So so you spoke a little bit about musical rhythm and things like that, and then you spoke a little bit about your rhythm of your day. Um, it's just kind of one of those beautiful open-ended questions. Instead of me asking you, how are you doing? Yeah. How's your day going? How's your rhythm? How, nice. How's your rhythm? It's just mm. quite a a nice way of putting it. Uh, it's, it's been too fast. I say this a lot on my podcast. Um, Austin Calvert, who's this great video editor, great storyteller. I don't know if you've ever seen his videos. He's done, he does yeah. little mini biographies about famous investors and people in the tech world. And then different, like, I think he has one on crypto too. Really cool guy. Um, he has this quote, maybe it's somebody else's quote, but he said it. So it's like speed is the poison. And anytime I kind of tried to, crank up the pace of my life like oh i'm not getting what i want fast enough i'm not as successful as i want to be immediately other things in my life suffer like the quality of the relationships that i have with people in especially with myself it suffers because i'm like slamming my foot down on the pedal and i'm trying to take shortcuts and it just feels it feels icky and I was actually having a conversation with Rosie Sherry on uh, my podcast lately. And um, she said, like, what's so bad with doing things slowly? There's nothing wrong with making things slowly, taking it slow. I mean, as long as you're going somewhere, you know, it kind of people, 
I feel like I sometimes give off this illusion on my Twitter profile that like I'm constantly just I'm a Gary Vaynerchuk thing, you know, just slamming down on the accelerator and just doing things at a million miles per hour. And to actually, to me, that's what you look like you're doing because you put out so much more stuff. People, people need to know that, but I, I'm not, I like, I wake up in the morning and I go on a walk without my phone. I just, you know, I'm not trying to think of something and write it down. I'm just, just going on a walk and saying hi to neighbors in the morning and it's boring stuff. Life's pretty boring. Life's actually pretty boring. And I don't mean that in a pessimistic way. I mean that in the best sense possible. Yeah, you know, it's things like this that makes it fun and exciting. But for the most part, it's like you wake up, you know, you have breakfast, go on a walk, and I don't know, pay your bills and do taxes and you know, change your oil in your car and get an oil change and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm liking where it's at now. It's it's taken me a while to realize that speed is is harmful. Well, I think I kind of tweeted a little bit about this earlier. Not exactly about this, but this idea of your mileage may vary. I'm I'm right. kind I kind of getting a little bit uh pissed off with twitter and a little a little bit annoyed with the way that some people interpret that anything that i say must be correct or that i'm i'm saying it from a point of view that this is the truth of anything i often say that my twitter is my personal notebook and the things that i'm saying are not to you even though i say you they're to me it's my personal notebook that's why i'm saying them um, right and i think i think that with the speed thing too you can't compare your speed to anybody else's. It's just got to be the speed that's right for you at that point in time, and that might be different on every single day. You know, there, there's some days where I'm dead into a project and I'm working on it till eleven or twelve a.m. And then, oh the, yeah, and, no, me too. And then there's yeah. and then there's some days where, you know, I, I come home from the office and I, I sit down and I don't do anything because I can't be bothered. I play video games all night, but. I, I, I think the problem comes n- not necessarily with the speed, but understanding your own capacity for how fast you can work and when that can be. The, mm-hmm. the, the problem comes when you're trying to constantly be producing over and over and over and over. You're working 12, 14-hour days every single day to make all the content and to look like you're prolific mm-hmm. rather than just figuring out your own rhythm. I, I was about to say the same thing before you said it, that a lot of people always ask me this, the same thing, how do you get so much done? And yeah. It isn't yeah. because I'm on all the time. It, it's just that I, I do things in certain ways. You know, if I get if I get an idea, yeah. if I get an idea for a tweet, I'll put it in hype fury. I, I've, I write 10 tweets per day, but I don't write them all at once, or it doesn't take me that long. I think it's fairly mm-hmm. self-evident. It doesn't take me that long to write the tweets because they're not masterpieces. Uh, and, and then the same is with any other kind of things that I'm creating. It, yeah. I, it, it looks like a lot more than it is. And, the, mm-hmm. and kind of the thing that we're doing right now, I only do this once a week. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem comes with if, if you were to look at the kind of things that I'm doing and go, I want to be more like Craig. And right. if I were to look at the things that you're doing and say, I want to be more like Paul, you do a daily blog. I just can't do that. I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I just can't fit it in. It's just not a thing that I want to prioritize. Yeah. So I, th- yeah. I think it's a, it's a case again of just your mileage may vary and mm-hmm. understanding yourself and your own flow and your own things you want to focus on. I think you're really good at that. You You don't get caught up in this whole this whole idea of growing Twitter followers or 
Well, I, I have. I mean, I have. I just, I well, not to the Twitter thing specifically, but but I have been caught up in, in chasing the wrong thing. I think you have to get caught up in that to realize how promiscuous it is. Because any time in my life where I was trying to chase the wrong thing, and usually the wrong thing, ironically, is money, just just money with a capital M, it's as if I was forgetting what it is that I actually like to do, which is make videos and do podcasts and create stuff and put it on the internet. It was like become a sales position at a multi-level marketing Ponzi scheme that was disguised as a financial planning institute. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> So no, I, th- I think the the next this next this generation of creators, what I like about it so much is that there's this disdain, thank God, towards hustle porn and hustle culture, hustle, hustle, hustle. It's even gone to the point to where Gary Vee's finally talking about like self awareness and not hustling. <laughs> like at first he was all in on hustle. And these days, I mean, I don't watch it much these days because I mean I used to. I still like him a lot. I think he has a good message, but it was all you know he was always hustle, hustle, work you know, work uh, 30 hours a day, weekends, weekends, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Don't watch Netflix. And, he, you know, you've got somebody like Robbie Crabtree watching Netflix and he's a great guy. And he's like teaching people why watching stories and being a storyteller is so useful. So just tapping into your own interests and at your own pace and like at your own flavor too. I think one of the things with comparison to other people is you think, well, if they're talking about this subject, they have a certain flavor to their writing. You know, they're talking about crypto and that's getting a lot of likes and retweets and clicks. Therefore, I need to be talking about crypto and I need to be talking about these subjects because it's hot, it's cool. I think it's so liberating to actually just write about and talk about and express what's interesting to you now because that's you know it's not gonna maybe it won't be interesting to you next week but it's interesting to you right now and you would be surprised at the feedback that gets you know but but at the same time once you start doing that it's not like the entire world is going to give you attention because you got to get used to you know the crickets i'm sure you've experienced the crickets before you write something that's you know craig needed to say this thing and then it's just crickets i i think you you raise you raise a good point on it though making the things that you want to make and I'm I'm mm-hmm. constantly trying to destroy my audience I'm constantly trying to make something that nobody will like I and- just put out a blog post that says how to it was I'm forgetting the title it was like how to destroy your audience and disappear completely which is a Radiohead reference kind of a play on words on that how to disappear completely is a Radiohead song how to destroy your audience and disappear completely this is just exactly like that so wow. I, did, I, I haven't read it and I haven't seen it honestly but well yeah. there you go like I said <laughs> crickets it's like nobody's you know it doesn't really bother me if nobody reads it but the the, the point I'm getting at though is that I, I've tried I've tried t- tweeting about this and the reason I use Twitter mostly is to try and uh, make my opinions into something pithy that people will understand. And I, I, th- I think this topic that I'm going to try and explain now is still too woolly to understand. But the point I, I'm, I'm trying to get at it is several things. But the main thing is don't focus on the numbers or the things that are getting liked. Because when you start to focus on the things that are getting liked and the things that... Uh, get attention you end up making more of the thing that gets attention and before you know it you've become beholden to the audience that you've built you Mm. are making content for your audience now i know that that doesn't sound bad so pin pin in that that doesn't sound bad but Mm. over a longest period of time we're talking years here 
it does become bad because you become known for the thing. Like you said, you become known for talking about crypto and then you, you feel, you feel boxed in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great analogy for it. Well, Rosie Sherry, Rosie Sherry and I were talking about the, the, when you build something, why building slowly is so important is because you might accidentally build yourself a prison. But you just don't know yeah. it because you're building so fast. You're laying each brick, each brick in front of you. And then suddenly, you know, you're surrounded by all these bricks and there's a brick above your head and you can't get out. Yeah, so absolutely. What you build. Absolutely. And that's why I think the idea of destroying your audience is so important because, yeah. because we, the, the vanity metric is to get more likes on it on right. any kind of platform more likes more followers more subscribers whatever but all that ultimately leads to is if you fiercely focus on it all it ultimately leads to is you making content to get more followers likes subscribers and then what you end up finding in two or three years time is maybe you've got three thousand follower three thousand subscribers on youtube but you're only talking about bitcoin and, right. and and then if as soon as you put a video out that's about anything else, crickets, and you can't yeah. deal with the crickets, and your yeah. audience can't deal with it because they only know you as the Bitcoin guy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's dangerous. It's insidious. It and then you think, oh well, maybe I should just make a separate channel for my other interests that aren't Bitcoin. But yeah. then I don't like that strategy. I like to just have everything that I'm into just sort of be under one umbrella channel. That's the thing. Like I get nervous when Twitter money tech bros follow me because Jack Butcher retweeted something I put out. And it's like, you guys, you know, don't, I don't know what you expect. I'm not here to share top 20 ways to build passive wealth income by starting a marketing blog uh, on Twitter. I like, you know, weird drinks and I love literature and philosophy and I also do this video editing thing and the podcasts. It's like, you know, people have varied interests. You know, some of the most interesting people I know aren't like obsessed with just one idea. Like, you know, you pull inspiration from everywhere to keep your creative juices flow and you got to pull inspiration from everywhere for a creator. Everybody, you know, every creator worth the salt knows that. So like, I can't just talk about one subject for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And it's the thing I most admire in, in every creator I can think of that I've yeah. that I've followed over this last year. Anybody yeah. who has gotten boring are the people who have grown massive audiences, but they yeah. only talk about one thing. And yeah, yeah. I, I know firsthand several people who have done this and they've told me that they they don't want to do it anymore. Prison. prison. So it is. Yeah, it it is a prison. But I think you can do it. I think you can do it if you spin off. If you've if you've got the you know if you've got the mental capacity to spin off for another channel or another Twitter account or whatever, I think you can do it because mm-hmm. then you can leave the interest behind, or you can only produce content on that one place. But I think mm-hmm. where it gets a little bit messy is if you make your personal branded name, you know, Paul Lacrone or Craig Burgess, if you right. make that thing about one topic that's very specific and yeah what what's annoying about this though is i know in my heart of hearts that this will become known for everybody but right now nobody listens to it because people just want to grow a twitter following for no reason whatsoever 
for no reason whatsoever, because that's a very interesting point. I think the idea of, I think we're, I was going to write about this uh, this week, maybe. We might be breeding a new generation of narcissists by telling them to build audiences. Now, here you are, here are you and me, we're doing this podcast, you and I, you know, we tweet, we create stuff, right? People like and retweet the stuff we put out. But I think the trap with the advice to build an audience is that it might prime you to expect that everybody is waiting for the next thing that you have to say. I mean, you didn't read that blog post they put out and, and jokes aside, I really, it doesn't bother me, but you know, well, there you go. Like that, that's a good example. It's yeah. like, not everybody is waiting for you to put out your next blog post. I, you know, people have, they're raising families. They've got kids, they've got jobs, real jobs, like, which I don't have. I did this freelance thing, <laughs> you know, people have, people are dealing with some real shit. And maybe the thing that you just wrote on your blog isn't the top of the priority list. So I try to got to stay humble with that. You got to really be aware that just because you have the audience doesn't mean that they owe you their time all of the time. Don't be Great. so offended if somebody doesn't like a tweet. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. Go outside. Go outside and like walk around a poor part of town and see how people are suffering, man. Just because you don't have a thousand followers on Twitter doesn't mean, you know, nobody cares about you. People can still care about you if you don't have 10,000 followers, dude. Like, I only have like, what, 740 and here you are talking to me. Like, I don't want this like hierarchy. See, I love having people on my podcast who like aren't very well known in the, in the Twitter creator space because I just want to have conversations with cool people. Like, I, I don't know. I had somebody on my podcast who was just like a fan of the show. And I just, you know, I don't care how many followers you have. Let's just talk. Mm. You know, we're all humans. So. Yeah. Uh, that narcissism thing is is really important. I've I've seen it really vividly since... Because we've only really started coming out of lockdown in the UK uh, over this last month or so. And I've been to a restaurant once and I've gone wow. back to the gym. So I've been to the gym twice now, which is mm -hmm. still a bit weird, just, just the way that it is. But I've gone back to the gym and I've gone to a restaurant. When I went to the restaurant, I, I was sat there, you know, eating some food with a mate. And I could see oh, just over, over his head to the right hand side. There were two, uh, one, she was about 50 year old. It must have been her mother. She was about 50 years old. And then the other person must have been 20 or something like that. Two, two girls, two women. And all they did for 45 minutes was this. We can finally go out and see people again. <laughs> Yay. All they <laughs> did was take photos of each other for oh my 45 minutes. All they did were record record yeah. something for tiktok i guess so but they were <laughs> recording something that wasn't happening because they were recording the thing which means that the thing wasn't happening do you know what do you know what i mean and then yeah. i yeah. went i went to the gym i went to the gym twice now i went again today i went a couple of days ago and i was i was in i was in the the big power rack the big rack area using a bar and a guy walks in looking at his phone all the way in just you know just proper neck craned down just looking at his phone and i i i was on i was on the rack for i don't know 25 minutes i never mm. saw him do anything he was looking oh, at his phone yeah constantly dude. uh yeah i'm like i just want to shake them you know <laughs> i don't want to shake like, 
Fucking put your phone away. Put your phone away. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the moment. It's like, oh my God, it it annoys me so much. And I think that comes a little bit from the vanity thing uh, and the idea that we all need to be building followers no matter what we're doing. We we all need to be building, uh, you know, an audience for who knows why the fuck, but we all need to be building an audience. And so we get this idea that, oh, I'm doing something interesting. I'm eating interesting food in a place in Barnsley. My hundred followers on Instagram will want to see this. Let me make a story. I'm stood in the gym, but instead of just doing the work, I'm just going to make some Instagram stories of me not doing the work, but make it look like I'm doing the work. Like It also, you know how everybody was trying to get into Hollywood and Los Angeles to become a movie star, and I guess they're still doing that today. It's sort of like that. You know, if I go on the internet, I can become the next star. I can be a movie star. There's sort of this gold rushy, this is the next Hollywood aspect. You know, people are getting famous overnight on TikTok. Therefore, I need to make my whole life revolve around shooting videos of me trying to be funny, even though I'm not funny and nothing I make is funny and blah, blah, blah. Cause you know, you're just trying to do this thing just to be funny. And when you try to be funny, it's not funny. It's like that. Um, I'm not anti-phone. I love technology obviously, but I'm very much opposed to the idea of trying to, it's like this desperation when you try to take a, you know, you read the newsletter, like all those people that I was around when I was watching that sunset, and it's sort of such a cliche, a cliche at this point. You've got all these people taking photos of these beautiful moments in nature, and those are going to look like shit on your phone. And memory that you have of those times in your life, and you're out there, and like you're working out, and you're not doing it to be seen. You're doing it because it's for your health. You know, you're you're watching the sunset because it's you're taking that sunset and you're transforming it into a memory that's going to go in your head that you're going to recall later when times get tough and the uh you've you've frozen again but i I was gonna say (laughs) your internet's not very good today paul i was gonna say oh it's okay i've been having trouble lately i've had three episodes of my podcast we've had some interruptions so pardon (laughs) sorry about that yeah i was just gonna say just as a response to that that go uh, ahead I think I might have replied to your email about it that the memory uh, the memory yeah. is always better anyway. The memory is always better. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to take a screenshot of this podcast and say, "Hey everybody, <laughs> the podcast with Greg." That, uh, with I Greg. I feel that though, right? I I feel that in any th- activity that I'm doing, I have to really hold back to not do that. If if I get yeah. if I get a new thing, if I I get a new watch or I get a new bike or I I, I go I go do a hard workout. I really have to hold back not Me to too. want to tell everybody. Yeah. Well, it's almost like well, you're a creator. You like making, you know, you could say a, a photograph, like a photo, like photographers are creative, right? But but what we're talking about isn't a very a creative thing. And maybe this sounds pompous. Like, that's not creative. This is creative. But I have this idea for a video. Um, if I ever go to Colorado to see my buddy Colin, I was going to make a little video out of it. Um, in the style of the video that I just put out now with the stick figure drawings and photos that I pull from DuckDuckGo. It's because I'm playing around with that style right now. And I wanted to make this kind of travel montage slash um, video collage. I don't know what to call that style of video that I put out with the stick figures and the photos, but that, but like a travel video in that style. But that's, I think, different than just like, hey, I'm on an airplane drinking a latte. <laughs> Look at me. 
that's something that takes work. This is something that would take a lot of work to edit, to the music and blah, blah, blah. But I, I get that urge too. It's like, this this could be like a funny little thing. If I sat at this beach and I made like a funny little video out of it, that's what I struggle with to turn that off because I want to turn it off so that I can just enjoy this moment. Yeah, I do. I, I struggle with that, but I think it's one step further But when the two people I was talking about were making stories for Instagram or whatever, it, it, it isn't a creative act, it's a status signaling act. And this this was partly why I got rid of my Apple Watch because I felt like sometimes one of the reasons was that I was doing the workout was so I could, um, you know, promote it to people that I'd done a workout. Because as soon as you finish the workout, your friends on, on your Apple Watch, they they get the notification that you've just done a workout. And oh, really? Yeah. Craig just finished the workout? Like, yeah. did they, even if they don't ask for it, <laughs> it yeah. just shows them? Yeah, they do. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's funny. So huh. I I didn't want that anymore. I wanted it to be private for me. I think it comes back, I can't remember who said this quote, but it comes back to the idea of having private victories. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, and I, they're even more important now, I think, that we, we have so much public, especially you and I, so much is public yeah. that I think it is important to have some little private victories that you don't yeah. share with anybody that nobody would really care about anyway. Well, you, you you could make an audience out of it, right? <laughs> you could make a, a weightlifting audience, but right. yeah. it's important to have a thing that's just for you that isn't there. I mm-hmm. uh, I did the same. I used to do the same on my Instagram. I used to when I used to do a difficult set on my Instagram, as difficult weights, I'd record a video and put it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I said it was uh, a lifting diary. But the lifting diary doesn't have to be public. There's no reason for me to upload that to Instagram. It's a diary. It's not a, yeah. Is it a diary anymore if it's public? Is it like, what is it? Like an open, what is it? I don't know. What, like a diary implies that it's private, right? Yeah. But okay. yeah, I, I've, I've been thinking a yeah. lot about that lately, about that idea of, um, you know, not needing to be public for a lot of things. But it's tough. It is, it is tough when you, you have that take on the things that you're doing could be converted into something that's sort of creative, right? Because you would take your Craig twist on things when it comes to the events in your life that you could make a piece of content out of. And I'm like that too. Like I've had this idea of, I told you about this in a DM, like, oh, I'm going to record myself doing 20 pull-ups just to ask people who's in the health space on Twitter. Um, that would want to be on my podcast. By the way, here's a video of me doing 20 pull-ups at 120 pounds for what that's worth. So something like that. But this is a very interesting subject because I'm very self-aware of this. Maybe the new word for it is like outrofluencer. Like not you're not an influencer. You're like trying not to be one, but you're still putting content on the internet. You're trying not to turn into a narcissist and think that everybody actually is waiting around for what you have to say. I don't know, but I'm I'm becoming more self-aware of it. Yeah, I'm I'm part of a a little secret Discord where we discuss this kind of thing quite a lot because it's mm. it's, it's run by a guy who's very against. Uh, he's a luddite, basically, very against all this kind of stuff. I guess the irony is that it's on Discord, that it's an online thing. But he uh, he got booted off Twitter, and he's trying to. Oh, rem- he got booted off of it. Yeah, for a silly joke, and then he didn't go back on it. Um, okay, so, well, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But doing, yeah, it's something. 
the building an audience thing, like my audience, I think my audience is only 20 people. Like I know all of their names. Jamie, Rousseau, you've had them all on your show. Jamie Rousseau, maybe not all of them, but Jamie Rousseau, like the people who have put their trust in me to do work for them and to like, to kind of get it. Like I try to avoid going on podcasts that are kind of just transactional and to have people on my show that are just trying to say something witty and get turned into a clip and have their stuff promoted. Um, I wasn't too good at it early on, but I'm trying to get better at it. Um, I kind of turned down this offer to be on a podcast just to promote the book blog thing I did. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. It's like, I don't know. Cause the ball. Just like talk about, the ball yeah. Ring. Like I don't want to just talk about the book. I want to, honestly, I'm not kidding, dude. I could do this with just you like for hours. Cause I get the sense from you that you don't really mind. I mean, of course you do mind where the, direction the podcast goes, but I don't ever get the sense from you that you're waiting for me to say something grandiose, clippable, you know, you're just a friend of mine. We haven't even known each other for that long, but like the point I was trying to make is my audience is like 20 people, the people who really care, like for every hundred people that follow you, there's like a sliver of that, that really kind of, they really care about you. You know, they can kind of see past the whatever level of fame you've acquired on, on Twitter. Right. Um, celebrities can get lonely. And I mean, that's, that's much higher than what we're doing. Right. But there is a such thing as like a lonely celebrity. Cause you know, people kind of just see the celebrity and it's very hard for them to like, you know, interact with just regular day-to-day people. Cause they only see the shining spotlight, the limelight. So, you know, but that can happen even at the smallest level. If you have like 500 followers on Twitter, you could think that all 500 of them care about you as a person. That's just not the case. And I don't mean this pessimistically at all. Cause I love Twitter. And I, I there's so many great people I've met on Twitter but man, those those twenty people that I can count on my hands—that's um, more fingers than I have actually. Those people mean the world to me, man. Like Colin, Jamie, you, Robbie Crabtree, Andrew Berry—you know, people I've had on the show that I haven't even interacted with that much, like Rosie Sherry and um, all the other like, sixty guests I've had on the show. It's uh, you know, find friends, not followers. Jamie Rousseau—he's been on your show like forty times, so that's what matters. Seriously. I mean, I, I think it's it's because you do the same thing that I do. You you're yourself. You I I know that the whole being authentic thing is bullshit, but you are yourself. You are unapologetic. Maybe it's maybe it's not bullshit. I mean, I totally get the line of argument you're raising here, but but go ahead. I, I interject. Yeah, you are unapologetically yourself. Just like you said, you don't try to make witty comments or small clippable things that people would want to consume. Um, you you do the same thing as me. You almost self-sabotage the idea of any kind of success because you want to show people that you aren't that person. You want to show people that there's multiple sides to you. I mean, some some weeks I'll write a week of good tweets and then the week after they'll be absolutely shit because I'm talking about something else because I've been reading a different book or something like that and none of it will be about anything that's useful. But I do that kind of, kind of on on purpose a little bit like you because I want to show people that that isn't just the one side of me and I think you're the same and I think these kind of people you and I are the future of creators these are the people that are going to actually stick around for a long time because you unapologetically put yourself out you don't ask anybody to follow you you don't ask anybody to you know, you, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. You, you just make the things because you want to make it, and then if somebody comes along and enjoys that, then 
cool you're happy with that you're thankful for that but you don't make it the whole you know the whole goal isn't about you you building an audience and it, it kind of brings me back to this thing i was reading in a book somewhere the other day uh and we we spoke about this a little bit on this little private discord i was talking about about making things a little bit more difficult to consume Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, this mm-hmm. you do I your just, podcast the same way as I do my podcast. It's impenetrable. Four really. hours long, impenetrable. <laughs> yeah. Who the hell would listen to this thing? Yeah. 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 But <laughs> that that means that anybody who does listen to it actually really wants to listen to it. Yes, but, dude. Yes. That means like, dude, that just makes the nice comments a thousand times better man like when ben greenman's like dude your pod like i love your podcast i'm like there's a lot of good podcasts out there man thank you that means a lot like okay it's two hour conversations with people who have twitter accounts (laughs) thank you it means dude seriously man that's such a good point so please continue i just wanted to tell you that's a that's a great point seriously you say there's a lot of other podcasts out there but there isn't a lot of podcasts that do this there isn't a lot of podcasts that just have a fucking conversation with somebody <laughs> that oh. it is such a revolutionary idea that people yeah. don't do it because people don't. The reason people don't do it is because people think it won't be interesting. Again, it comes back to the thing. They're trying to make the thing that's the most interesting for people. They try to make the shortest, quickest, pithiest, most valuable thing for somebody <laughs> Rather than just having an interaction with two humans, which is where podcasting started like yeah. 15 years yeah. ago. That was oh, the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's really only Rogan still who holds this baton. And You know what, dude? It's like um, we're kind of going full circle in the wrong direction, right? Podcasts started as this counterculture to typical news interviews where things are very cut up and you can't express yourself. You can't have a conversation. And what we're saying with podcasts is that's coming back into podcasts. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, to the point where that is the, pretty much the only kind of podcast you can get. I mean, I can count on one hand your podcast, my podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, Chris Williamson's prod- podcast. Is, dude, I love Chris Williamson's podcast, man. Yeah. This is great. Uh, He's a- Danny Miranda, too. They're, Danny Miranda's good at it as well, yeah. Yeah they're, he pulls it up. yeah, they're both kind of very similar styles in terms of more interviewee, but yeah. it's, it's still very long form, and you can't... You've, you've still got to sit down and concentrate on the thing, and I think there's a lot of value in that. They're still very much podcasts. Mm-hmm. There isn't many other podcasts, and it's not to say that you can't make another podcast like the way that i said you can you can make a very good piece of content but mm-hmm. you can't make a very good human interaction when you kind of just cut out all that stuff and kind of even the beginning right where you just kind of stumble into the conversation when you're listening to the this kind of podcast you just stumble into the conversation and mm-hmm. there's just two random people having a conversation uh, and it, part of the reason I never introduce anybody that much is, is because I, I yeah. want I want people to discover the same person as me at the same time. And mm, uh, that's yeah. a good point. I'm, if you've heard the show, you know I, I do those introductions, and people people like them. Like the the guests of whom I do the introductions for, kind of like them. But that's a good point to raise because I've I want to experiment with not doing the introductions to get kind of nitty gritty right now. Just kind of have people 
fly into the room as the fly on the wall and they're there on the wall and it's not like hey everybody here's blah 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 very kind of tim ferris tom billu-esque because you know yeah. joe rogan kind of introduces his guests as the podcast goes on for like the first yeah. five minutes oh you got this book what's this book about you know kind of like that like you just met the person for the first time very yeah. off the cuff i yeah. love it yeah exactly i i think with all my heart that this is what podcasts should be like a conversation between two or more people that is largely unscripted because this kind of thing is we, we spoke about this before this kind of thing is going away this pubs are closing down every day in the uk the podcasting is going to be one of the only places we can well, you know why people go to pubs is to socialize to have to do this right with beer which is kind of what we're doing now but yeah. podcasts the magic of them like the i guess the old podcast i don't know hopefully it's still all podcasts is this is the socializing the shooting the shit it's one of my favorite terms just shooting the shit you yeah. know and like, well, what's the value in that? Well, it's not completely random. We're talking about some subjects. We're talking about self-awareness and, you know, the pandemic. We're just talking about what's, you know, on our minds right now. There's no agenda. I don't yeah. have to say, you know, get to the next subject, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem, though. When you do start thinking about value, that is the exact nub of the issue. When you start thinking like that, you start self-editing the things that you may or may not say, and you just... You just don't know, man. You just don't know if that would have been useful to somebody if you just yeah. just went and just filled out the entire point. And so so many so many podcasts. That, I can't think of even any other medium that lets somebody run like this. That lets somebody. The moment, dude, the moment you edit a conversational podcast is the moment it's no longer a conversational podcast because you don't like. I can't. You don't snip somebody's words and phrases in real time as you have a podcast. Editing, too much editing is a sign of insecurity, I think. Ironically, as I'm a video editor, but the moment you start chipping away at those things and cutting out the ums and the ahs and the things that aren't ridiculously smart, like everything that comes out of my mouth, is the moment that it's no longer a conversation. It's now something different. I don't know what it is. It's something more, I don't know if polished is even the right word, because to me, this is polished. This is as polished as you can get it, because it's, it's, it's unedited. It's just, this is it. You get to know somebody better too, because you get to see how they actually are outside of their Twitter sonas. It's yeah. like this is how Craig talks. This is how Paul talks. That's yeah. it. It's real. I think it's kind of the difference between James Clear's Atomic Habits and Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. So it's the difference between those two things. So James Clear's Atomic Habits is a great piece. Not that I've I have still haven't read it, but I've heard it's a great book. It's a great piece of content. It, mm. it reads well, it flows, and it's based on... I haven't read it either. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's just your typical non-fiction self-help book. They, sure, yeah. They, they no, read, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah no, seriously. I don't know, no harm to James Clear, yeah. They read, they read well, they're useful, but mm -hmm. it's all about getting the value out of every single syllable that's in the book. Whereas... Sure. yeah. Uh, a podcast a bit like this is a little bit more like, and I only say David Copperfield right now because I'm trying to get through it and read it. David Copperfield's book is, is much more, uh, there'll be long tangents and long explanations and long descriptions of somebody that don't seem to add anything. They're not adding value. It, it, you know, it doesn't help you reveal the character in, in some way more. Some ways it does, but it, it kind of sets the scene more and, it pulls you in more because 
you do, you don't just understand that they've walked into a room. You know exactly what the room looks like, what the people are like, and the time and the place and everything. It just really sets the scene. And I mm-hmm. think that's the, the the difference between a heavily edited podcast versus a one one like this. You know that we're both drinking beer right now. You know that you're you're in San Diego. I'm in Barnsley. You know all these things because we've allowed them to be said. Whereas if this was the value version of Craig's podcast, all of this would be gone. This would be 25 <laughs> minutes long. Pour um, that damn beer out. <laughs> yeah, and, and it would just be you saying the valuable bits that you've said, which... I'd have nothing to say. <laughs> we, we'd probably have this. We'd probably have a conversation about the value of podcasts, which... I'm reading, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the book you're reading. I'm reading John Steinbeck. I'm reading Grapes of Wrath. The first, you know, John Steinbeck always starts off with like the first two chapters. It's this several page long description of the California valleys, the fruits, the vegetables, the wind, the different colors of the valleys, the grays and the reds. And you read this thing. It's like, what's so valuable about this? I don't get it. Just tell me what to do with my life. The thing with fiction, man. I've been reading a lot more fiction these days. I've been becoming enthralled by fiction. It's taught me a lot. It's humbled me. It's really taught me the levels of, I really like reading fiction that has penetrating insight into the the human, the the soul, the human human nature, okay? You read a book by John Steinbeck and after years of prescribing yourself with uh, self-medicating with nonfiction, it's like, just get to the damn point. But man, if you can... If you give a good book of fiction, patience and time, you will learn. I don't want to say so much more because I feel like it's a false comparison to say that fiction is better than nonfiction. That, that's a really trite thing to say. I don't believe that at all. But it's a different kind of learning that's that's as valuable, maybe more. I don't know. But it's it's a different kind of value. It's a different kind of knowledge. It's wisdom. And you need that. You definitely need that. You know, fiction is so important to read, but it's a... It's a lot harder to read because James Clear's books and a lot of nonfiction books are sort of engineered. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I know why they're doing it. You know, at least people are reading these books because not very many people read books. And so when a nonfiction book sells a lot of copies, that's a good thing because it's getting people to read. You know, that's great. It's always a good thing when people are reading. But those sorts of books, those self-help books are engineered in some way to be readable, to be very readable, to just get to the point, you know, there's utility to that. But a fiction book, a book by like a Dostoevsky, a Steinbeck, you know, Harper Lee, like deep moral lessons about humanity, man. So valuable, so valuable. You know why they're more valuable? The reason is because you read a non-fiction book, let's say, a 200 page top of the line non-fiction book that's making one point you're in and out of it really quick you understand yeah. everything you've written loads of notes versus a 700 page almost impenetrable fiction book yeah. you you're spending more time with one but I, I think what the the true difference is and i can't remember who said this is that one of them makes observations and you've got mm. to make the connections the other one makes prescriptions and you're told what to do next. And I, I just think with the observations, the observations hit a lot deeper, don't they? Because you come to the own, your own conclusion, and you may miss it, uh, but these kind of lessons are repeated over and over throughout the book, the fiction book I'm talking about, and eventually something goes, oh, yeah, that's that's what they meant. Mm. Uh, 
so it's not as obvious but i think that's why the lesson hits deeper because you've observed it to you, for yourself and you think you've worked it out yourself obviously mm-hmm. the author intended this all along but mm-hmm. that's the, i think that's the difference maybe i don't know i think the only smart thing i've ever said in my life is and i tweeted this uh, a great work of fiction knows more about you than you do yeah yeah because there's characters in that book that express certain ideas and values that you don't even know that you value yet. Cause there's characters like characters, a Steinbeck character, a Dostoevsky character, they portray ideas, right? Like there's certain archetypal behaviors of characters that you really resonate with. I always resonate with the wise old man archetype of characters. Uh, East of Eden, one of my favorite books is, is has these two characters, which are very, very wise. And I just, anytime they appeared in the book, I was just, enthralled with every word that they were saying and everything that they did in that book. It was like, I was captured by that. And it spoke to something in me that's, that relates to that. Maybe there's something in my life that's like missing, you know, from, from having like a wise male figure in my life. And like, I want to listen to you. You've got something to teach me. And, you know, it's prescriptive, you know, the nonfiction books, but to be, to let these ideas and these characters populate your brain for 700 pages, it's almost a sad thing to finish that book because that it, it's, the book is over. You know, you can go and reread it, but you can't experience it again for the first time. But you'll always have those those characters in you, right? Those ideas from those characters in you, and you remember those. You think it's so strange. These are fictional characters. Like, what are you doing? Imagining these characters as if they're real people. But you have to imagine that they're real people because, you know, if it's a really good author, if it's a Steinbeck, you know, I own these, these two examples because what the hell do I know about literature? I only have Dostoevsky and Steinbeck. They're great examples, I think. Um, you know, if they're a great author like that, then they should be able to replicate the behaviors of people that might exist. And I'm sure those people, you know, exist. They're in the book. That's why I love fiction. It's such a beautiful format, man. I think somebody said before, didn't they, that fiction's more realistic than nonfiction a lot of the time. <laughs> another, yeah, yeah. Another person. Even like Harry Potter, something like that. This is going to get very Jordan Peterson-esque, but Harry Potter, you know, the reason why it sells a billion copies is because, you know, it's a dragon of the, cha- the dragon of chaos, right? It's the snake underneath the, hog- underneath the Hogwarts. There's always evil afoot, right? Voldemort, you know? Everybody's got a Voldemort in their lives, and sometimes it's, it's themselves. You know, evil doesn't have to be somebody else. Like, John- why I love John Steinbeck so much is because he, he knew a lot about people, you know? I mean, we navigate the world of people. We're always talking to people and interacting with people. What fiction does is it teaches you about people. A great work of fiction teaches you about human beings. That's why I love it. it. Took me a while to realize that I like fiction so much because I was on that nonfiction overdose for a while. But so, what what are you reading? I want to ask you what you've been reading. You said Charles Dickens. Yeah, that's the the main. I've always got about eight books on the go. Um, I just uh, buy, I just buy them and, and then I read a couple of pages. So I'm I'm trying to get through that. I'm trying to get through David Copperfield. It's fantastic, mm-hmm. but it, but it is big. And it's huge. Have you read Great Expectations? No, that that's the first Dickens book I've read. So that, um, yeah, oh, okay. I, I, have a, yeah. I, I love it. So I'm reading that, but the main book I'm reading in terms of fiction is, is uh, a, 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 I think he's a British author called Mark Billingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's kind of a, he writes about like a hard-boiled detective type thing. I, I love kind of Pulp Fiction-y type books. I just love, mm-hmm. love those to escape. I've always got one of those on the go. Um, nice. 
and I'm reading a lot of books of aphorisms at the minute. I've just oh, okay. become become fascinated by them. I like mm. the. I, I've I'm reading the first book of Nietzsche. And, oh, I was gonna say, dude, you got to read Nietzsche, man. He's yeah. got some kick aphorisms. Kick aphorisms. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 reading Beyond Good and Evil. Um, oh, dude, that's a hard book. It, it, it is bloody hard. Yeah. So you got to skip to the middle where it has all the aphorisms. The first like everything else is impenetrable because <laughs> yeah. you have to know like what he's talking he's, he references all these other german writers and musicians and it's it's hard it's a hard book yeah i've kind of put it by the wayside a little bit just because it's yeah it is hard have I've, you read uh human all too human no okay if anybody's getting into Nietzsche, i would say start with human all too human it's actually very palatable it's sort of like beyond good and evil but toned down way <laughs> way down <laughs> But just as wise and just as is uh, powerful. I I I don't always. So when I do get to an impenetrable book, I do try and sit with it and and I just read it slower and I try to understand it because I I often I often think that's that's not a good enough excuse for me not to read it because you know I'm I'm I often wonder how much I've been polluted by other things like Twitter and and easy to read content and Substacks and things like that. So. Yeah. I, d- I do try to persist with it, but that is particularly impenetrable. Uh, yes, it is. And then yes, the, it is. the the other one I'm reading, I don't know. Let me grab it. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sure. Now I got to keep your audience entertained while you're. Oh, <laughs> never mind. You're, you're already back. Uh, uh, that is collected maxims by. I am not trying to pronounce that, even though my last name is French, so I should be able to say that word. Rochefoucauld. Yeah, I've heard. Rouche for call. I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I. I. This is just full of aphorisms. It's just a, a book of aphorisms, maxims, whatever you want to call them. AKA ancient tweets. Yeah, and the, when I asked somebody, you know, somebody was mentioning aphorisms, and I said, "What's a good book to get into if I want to read some aphorisms?" You know, ancient ancient tweets. Uh, <laughs> and they recommended this book. This is one of the most popular book of aphorisms that's ever been made. So. Mm. I bought this one, and it's got an interesting kind of biography about him at the beginning, mm. which I've referenced in so many podcasts now because I do find it really interesting that all this guy ever did was write this book. This is it. Um, he wrote five or six versions of it, you know, tweaked it. He only it. wrote one book. Just this. Different versions of one book in his whole life. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. it was It was the 1600s. And wow. He's only famous for writing this one book, and huh. often you think, usually a Maxim's book comes yeah. from writing other long-form things, doesn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. But the whole whole beginning whole beginning of it, oh, you look at somebody like Nietzsche; he's written loads of books, so uh, it some a lot of it being aphorisms. It, it doesn't, you know what I mean, but. The only thing he ever wrote was aphorisms, and he specialized in them. And mm. there, there was a troop of French aphorism writers, and he was one of the best ones. And this book kind of went all through French royalty and, and all this kind of thing. It became a very popular book. Mm. And I just think it's a really it's a really nice story to think that, yeah, you can still create one thing. Probably you can't do it in modern-day times, but it's, <laughs> it's just quite a refreshing thing to put all his eggs in one basket yeah uh, and he, w- he was just good at one thing he was good at writing ancient tweets and he wrote a book full of ancient tweets and and then this somehow 
became really bloody popular and yeah it's i just find that story quite fascinating the thing with aphorisms is that they have to be as concise as you could possibly make it you know when you write anything you have to use every word has to serve a purpose right but with an aphorism you know that's only eight words long and each word carries this immense power i really think it's power this weight okay that's what made nietzsche so brilliant so he'll have an aphorism that's just seven words long, and each word serves like four different purposes. It's like, how is it that eight words are making me think about this thing for like four hours? Eight words, that's it. That's why they're so powerful. It's crazy. It's so hard. You have to be like uh, an insanely devastating kind of thinker to, to whip up sentences like that. So, so interesting how that works. Mm, I, I think it it really shows a depth of thinking that you just don't see. Oh, yeah. You don't see it anymore. You, most yeah. most people, I mean, I don't spend that much time thinking about ideas. But well, yeah, well, it can be a curse. Like, I don't know how much you know about Nietzsche, but he he died mad. Yeah, He became, he was driven to insanity, probably by his own intellect. He was like caught trying to save some horse on the street. This horse was being flogged or whipped by somebody out on the street um, in, in Germany, I think, where, where he was living at the time. And he was brought into this like mental institution. He he died a very lonely, mad man because he was so brilliant. So it's it's like you're not a, you know, just because you're not thinking deeply about the world doesn't mean like you can't. Are you sure you want to do that? It really does people in to carry that weight in your head all the time. <laughs> Nietzsche wasn't the happiest person, but man, he wrote some brilliant, brilliant insights into well, humans. He, he never really became popular in his lifetime, did he? No, because nobody could understand him. Nobody does. <laughs> still, to this day, we're still trying to knock our heads against him. Yeah, plus his ideas were taken in the complete, well, some of his ideas were taken in the utmost worst direction by the Nazis in World War II, you know. Your stories of how Hitler was like, or the Nazis were reading Nietzsche, like the, the Superman thing, right? How that's tied to Nazis in World War II, and, you know, Nietzsche came up with the idea of uh, the Superman, and thus spake Zarathustra. And so, which he kind of predicted in his own work, he kind of had a sense that his ideas would be taken in the wrong direction by, by people with horrible intentions, and that happened. So he kind of predicted his own intellectual death too. And so it's taken a long time for his ideas to gain in popularity because some of his ideas are so closely tied to Nazism, which is a horrible thing. It's crazy, crazy story. Yeah. I, I want to finish, and I bet you've got nothing to say about this. So sure. I've, I don't know if you do follow my newsletter, but I've started a new thing called the Wednesday Audio. Okay. Where I, uh, so I, I've just got into doing a personal newsletter. On Monday, I do a visual. On Fridays, I write something. And then on Wednesdays, I do a podcast about Wednesdays. <laughs> like the, about Wednesdays? That's the theme. So the Wednesday, Wednesday is the theme. So it's got to kind okay. of be about Wednesdays in some way. So yeah. I've done two weeks so far. Every time I do it, I've asked for content from people who are listening because I, I've run out of things to say about Wednesdays already. Um, <laughs> I, th I thought if we spent five or ten minutes talking about Wednesdays, <laughs> I, I, love this. I can snip this bit out. <laughs> and it, uh, it gives me the Wednesday audio because it's like half nine at he here at the minute. And I have got nothing to say about Wednesdays. So 
Go go for it. Have you got anything to say about Wednesdays? <laughs> I know Wednesday. I know Wednesday in Japanese. I know the word for Wednesday in Japanese. You want to hear it? Go on. It's really bad Japanese though. Suyobi. Okay. Suyobi is the Japanese word for Wednesday. I can give you the whole all of the days of the week too if you want, but suyobi is uh, Japanese for Wednesday. Uh, so what do I do on a suyobi? Nande nande shimasuka suyobi suyobi des and a little bit of Japanese. I'm trying to flex right now, so I sound cool to your audience. Uh, Wednesdays. How do you Wednesdays. feel about Wednesdays? Is Wednesday a good day for you, or is it a bad? Well, everybody day? Everybody calls it Hump Day, right? Like, oh, it's Hump yes. Day. Yeah. Um, I like Wednesdays. It's the middle of the week, you know, it's, it's a good day to reflect back on the week that's already gone and to imagine the weekend, I suppose. Is it the uh, middle of the nothing, week, though? Yeah, I, it's I a often, weird day. It's right in the middle. Like, what happens on Wednesdays? You see, There's I, no Wednesday special for anything. Like, you know, it's Wednesday, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> I often think about this middle of the week thing. And I've, yeah. I've, I've never really bought it. In fact, the first episode was called Hump, and it was about Hump Day. Oh, that's but, a good name. Um, it isn't the middle of the week, is it? Well, it kind of is. If you're a corporate yeah. shill and you're you work, <laughs> doesn't the day doesn't the week start on a Sunday technically? Te- technically, it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Wednesday's not the middle of the week for me because I don't turn off on Fridays. So I don't. Either. Yeah. I I do less. You know, I do less on a weekend, or I do different things, should I say? But Wednesday's yeah. not the middle of the week. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't get the same feeling from it. Mm-hmm. It's a very corporate idea, I think. Yeah, um, like, yeah. When corporate it, idea that this is this is it. We're just trudging along here, trying to get to, working for the weekend, kind of thing. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whenever I go into the into the office and I ask somebody, and it's a Wednesday, I'll you know say, "How are you doing?" They go, "Oh, Wednesday's Wednesday. nearly over. Thank you know this is the furthest place from the weekend and all that usual stuff." <laughs> And then you ask them the same thing on Friday and they go, oh, I'm glad it's the weekend. You're like, you should be glad you're alive every day. I don't want to, you know, get on another moral soapbox, but that's why I'm allergic to corporate perceptions of time is because it makes the assumption that just because it's Wednesday means you should be miserable. Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's usually a reason why these cropped up, isn't there? So you think about the nine to five thing. The reason it came around was for industrialization and, you know, to keep people working longer and things. And the whole idea of, thank God it's Friday is, you know, because it is the weekend and you get the time off. Mm -hmm. But I don't actually know where the Wednesday thing comes from. Obviously it's the middle of the week, but when Mm -hmm. you, you think about it, there's no advantage to it unless it's given the corporate shills hope that the weekend is now closer, that Wednesday's (laughs) ended. Do you know what I mean? There doesn't seem to be any reason about it. It's just a weird cultural thing. It is. It is a weird cultural thing. I think every, you know, every day, it's just, just a day, you know, be happy yeah. about it. You don't have to hate it just because it's Wednesday. Well, Mondays are worse for people. There's a, there's a, there's a cartoon character dedicated to convincing people that Mondays suck. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but it was syndicated in, in the newspapers. His name is Garfield and his whole ethos is that Mondays are the worst. He doesn't even have a job. I don't get why he hates Mondays so much. He just hates Mondays. Mondays suck. Everybody hates Mondays, right? Oh, you got to go back to work. But I think, well, that's a bad sign. If you grudge doing what you're doing for 20 hours a day or more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't so, do that. That's that's a bad position to be in. So what's good about Wednesdays? 
what's good about Wednesday? It's another day. Seriously, it's just, it's another day. You're alive. You know, we're, it's, it's another day. You know, I, I know we're playing around with this idea, but when you read a book like Search for Meaning, right? Man's Search for Meaning, you know, people were not complaining about Wednesdays. Mm. It's another day. Well, okay? And I, I have to say these things because I know I can get, I can get caught in my own BS and think that, you know, things are so hard for me, yada, yada, yada. We, we, that happens to all of us, right? We, all, we always get kind of stuck in our thinking that things are bad. You know, things, things could always be worse, but it's just another day. It's the great thing about Wednesdays, you know, it's another day to be alive. I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's we've, the, I don't know where this whole corporate culture came from, probably industrialization again. And it'd be fun to actually look back and see where this whole idea of hating fucking Wednesdays came from. But <laughs> what do Wednesdays ever do to you? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> that is exactly the thing. It's just another day. I don't have any opinion about any day. When it gets to Sunday, I'm yeah, not bothered that Monday's coming up. It, it it's just a day. And I don't say that pessimistically. It's just that yeah. another day is coming around. That's it that's could good. Rain on Friday, right? You could you could have the worst thunderstorm on Friday. It's not like weather is going to be like, well, we we don't want to rain today because it's it's Friday. We're going to give you a break. We know we're going to rain on Wednesday. But today, you're good because it's Friday. You could have the shittiest weekend just because it's the week. Like, really, you think the weekend, the weekend. So nobody's going to die on a weekend, right? And nothing horrible has ever happened on a weekend. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> horrible things can happen on weekends. Just you're setting yourself up for some crushed expectations if you think that weekends are just the most magical days on the planet and everything horrible happens on a Wednesday. I think that's, no. that's the problem, isn't it? And that's probably a good place to leave it. I think that's the problem. It's the expectation. It's the expectation that when Wednesday comes around, we are now somehow closer to something that's going to be more pleasing to us. Paradise yeah. opens on Friday. Uh, and I think Wednesday gives you that false expectation that you're only now two days away from paradise. <laughs> having two days of paradise. Two days away from two days of paradise. And then it's back to the sweatshop for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's the thing I've got to talk about every Wednesday. So that's amazing. I love that idea. Welcome, welcome oh. to my world. <laughs> that's the, just the whole idea again of just making content that no one will listen to and just destroying your audience. Uh, it could could be. You'll have that success story, the most popular podcast about Wednesdays. <laughs> the only podcast about Wednesdays. I'm hoping the only podcast about Wednesdays and the most popular about Wednesdays. Personal monopoly on Wednesdays. Yeah, hopefully. Anyway, it's been fun as always. Yeah, uh, man. Craig, it's it's great to see you. I had a blast, seriously. Glad to see you doing well, keeping at it. Had a blast, seriously. A lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's, it's been good. I'll never stop. Yeah. We'll be doing this again in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, yeah. four years' time. Uh, yeah, man, I hope so. Yeah. Cool. Well, everybody. Enjoy your day, and I'll you see you soon. Uh, you know, I love this vaccine. I feel fine. <laughs> it's like I was going to say this. I should get vaccinated more often. Oh yeah, feel you did. You didn't die, so yeah, that's no, that's that's a bonus. You didn't die. Yeah, I feel like mellow. Maybe it was the beer. Maybe I don't know if the CDC said anything about beer and vaccines. Hopefully not. <laughs> we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll see.